Welcome to our weekly podcast. We're in the final week of our Parenting by the Book series. Last week, we talked about the father's role in the home. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, we learn about how God gives fathers the responsibility of bringing their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In a time when many fathers are absent, the Apostle Paul reminds us of where fathers should be. Fathers, we should be focused on bringing our children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The question for today is this, where does this leave mothers? Are moms given an inferior responsibility in the home? Are they the B team, only called up from the bullpen to relieve dad whenever he's tired? Well, the answer is no, absolutely not. As we go to God's word, we learn that motherhood is a sacred privilege and role that was intentionally designed by God. The role of the mother is in many ways different than that of the father, but never inferior. Just look at our country's response on Mother's Day, and you'll have a clear picture of how important all of our moms really are. Mother's Day is a far more profitable day in the greeting card industry than Father's Day. I actually really like the story about how Mother's Day came to be a national holiday. It's a neat story. More than 100 years ago, just before the start of World War I, Congress passed a resolution to honor mothers on the second Sunday in May. President Woodrow Wilson, our 28th president, even called on the American people to put up flags as an expression of our love and reverence for the mothers in our country. So, Mother's Day has been a national holiday ever since. Yet today, we have elected officials in Congress who are trying to lead people in a direction that would damage the position of mothers in our society. There's a popular belief that anyone can be a mother, regardless of gender, and there are some who would like to see us eliminate the word woman and the term mother altogether. All of this is being done under the banner of modern feminism. That's why it's so important for us to go to God's word so that we can understand what God says about motherhood. In a day and age when there are millions of ever-changing worldly truth claims about the family, we need clarity so that we can love and lead our families well. One of my favorite preachers, Alistair Begg, wrote, The Bible clearly affirms the family as the foundational unit of society, that parents are worthy of highest honor on earth. And that mothers are entrusted by God with a sacred duty, which is theirs and theirs alone. Today, we're going to go to God's word so that we can learn about how motherhood is a sacred privilege that's part of God's plan and design. Now, the term sacred privilege is not usually what comes to mind when mom is woken up in the middle of the night to meet the needs of a crying baby. When Legos are spilled all over the house for the tenth time in a day. When the kids are complaining about the meals she just spent an hour preparing, or when she has to tell the kids over and over again that it's time to leave the house. The loud voices in our society want everyone to believe that anyone can be a mother, or that the term mother is somehow degrading. I'm obviously not a mom, but the people speaking on motherhood in the media and in our culture sound like they've spent very little time in the home. I live with someone who's a mother of four, and I can tell you this, There's no confusion in our house about how important she is in our lives. One of the greatest misconceptions about the Bible, and about the New Testament specifically, is the myth that it somehow diminishes the value of women and mothers. But if you were to sit down and read God's word cover to cover, you'd realize the opposite is true. It's a historical fact that women were treated as little more than private property in the first century Roman world. Yet the message of the gospel in Galatians 3, 26 through 28 is this. 
For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul's message when it comes to salvation was this, that there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. You see, prior to Christ, uh, Jewish synagogues were filled with only men. But the gathering of God's people, the church, was open to men, women, and children. It was open to all people because the gospel is for everyone. When Paul wrote these words in Galatians 3, he was writing words that to most of the world seemed absolutely insane. But following Christ means that we're set apart. We live in the world, but friends, we're not of the world. The main passage that I'd like for us to focus in on today is Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. In his letter to Titus, a Greek who converted to Christianity through Paul's ministry, Paul reminds us about the sacred privilege of motherhood within the body of Christ and within the Christian home. This is Paul's instruction to the church. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. He says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. There's a lot of great truth here, so I'd like to break it down into two parts. First, we'll talk about the ministry of older women in the church. Then we'll talk about the ministry of mothers in the home. So first, the ministry of older women in the church. If you've raised your children and have sent them out, this part of Paul's instruction is for you. I've talked with older mothers who've said once their kids were grown and had moved out, they felt like their home was empty. They didn't quite know what they were supposed to do, how they were going to stay busy, and how they'd find purpose in life moving forward. First of all, you never stop being a parent. Your role changes as a parent, especially as your kids grow and move out, but you never stop being a parent. Second, I love how God faithfully reminds us through his word that if we're still breathing, he's not done with us. To the older women and the older mothers in the church, the Apostle Paul says, there's a specific ministry that God wants you to be a part of. It's the ministry of teaching and training the younger women. The older women in the church have an incredible opportunity to disciple the younger women by offering godly wisdom that comes from years of experience. There are a handful of young women and mothers in our church who are in the early stages of parenting And they need you to walk alongside them as they navigate the difficult waters that lie ahead. The younger generation needs to hear the stories of those who've gone before them to be encouraged with sound scriptural truth when the world's trying to pull them in a million different directions. And they need mentors and role models who can be a listening ear when life is tough. I don't believe Paul is talking about a formal class or a formal program in the church. He's talking about the older women making an impact in the lives of the younger women through informal, authentic, everyday relationship. This makes sense because most people learn best through informal, on-the-job training, not through formal, rigid note-taking in a classroom. The people who've made the biggest impact in my life and in my wife's life, they've done so through daily interaction and friendship. In fact, when my wife and I were newlyweds, Um, We moved to McAllister, Oklahoma, and 
we took on our first ministry job at Lakewood Christian Church. Six months after we were married, we found out we were pregnant. And when we had our first child, I'll be honest with you, um, we were so tired. Um, I felt like I couldn't really focus on family and work at the same time. Life was tough. Well, there was a lady in our church. She actually was the wife of our pastor at the time. Her name was Anne Marie. And uh, she kind of adopted my wife as a daughter. She walked alongside her. She met with her regularly, prayed with her. They did book studies together. She mentored my wife and was there for her every step of the way. Paul is reminding his readers that the younger women in the church need the older women. I have a very specific charge and challenge for the older women in our church today. Be intentional about getting to know the younger women. Look for opportunities to share your story and to share your life with them. Open up your home. Clear your calendar so that you can actively engage in this special ministry that God has called you to be a part of. Here's some practical ways that you can take the first step. One thing that you can do is call a younger mother in the church and see if she'd like to grab coffee. You know, that's a great way to get to know someone new. Another thing you can do is send a note of encouragement through the mail or through email. Um, You might not think that it makes that big of a deal, but um, when the weeks are busy, that's a huge encouragement. You can pray for specific families and let them know that you're praying for them. Uh, Volunteer in the nursery. That's a great way to get to know and serve other families. Another thing is this. Don't feel like you have to be all things to all people. Um, You might hear this charge and this challenge and think, man, how could I ever do all of that? Well, just pick one family, you know, adopt them and get to know them really well. When you see a younger mother struggling, uh, even on Sunday morning, offer encouraging, practical advice. You know, don't be afraid to open your mouth. The younger women need that. As an older woman and mother in the church, your job is not done. We're a multi-generational church, and the opportunity to make an eternal difference in the lives of the younger women is great. Titus 2, 4 and 5 says, Train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Well, the second part of this passage um, really focuses on the ministry of mothers in the home. It's Paul's instruction to all mothers. Every mother is involved in the awesome task of building a home. For fathers and mothers, there's no greater challenge, privilege, or responsibility in this life. Mothers, as you help build a home, God has given you the responsibility of raising your kids up so that you can send them out. You're deeply involved in the molding of young minds and personalities, and you've been tasked with modeling and teaching a life of faith in order to build godly character in your kids. Although the results of your hard work might not be seen for years even, the work that you do as a mother is crucial. It's critical in the home. The loudest voices in our society say that the home for a mother is a prison. There's no joy that can come from the work that you do in the home. And the only way to find fulfillment is to build a company and a career away from the family. Working outside the home is not prohibited in Scripture. In fact, in many places throughout God's Word, it's encouraged. But the worldly wisdom that says you can only find purpose and joy by making something of yourself outside the home, friends, that's a lie. Motherhood is a sacred privilege. And God, through Paul, reminds mothers about what a mother's real priorities in life should be. The things that bring real fulfillment, joy, and the things that honor God as you help build your home. 
Paul's letter to Titus reveals four key priorities for mothers, four priorities for the ministry of mothers in the home. I want to talk about those priorities today. Number one, mothers are to love their husbands and children. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here in the book of Titus, that same instruction is given to mothers. When you first read these verses in Titus, it seems obvious that a mother would love her husband and children. Like we saw in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the great hymn of love, the world's definition of love and God's definition are very, very different. Paul is reminding the older women in the church to teach the younger women, the younger mothers, how to love their husbands and children well. Because God's love is taught, it's learned, and lived out through practice. It's not always easy to love others in the way that God has called us to, especially our own families. So mothers are to be taught to love how God intends. I believe this is the first priority for mothers. Because if love is missing, nothing else will be able to fill the gap. If a wife and mother cannot love her family as God intends, no other friendship, no other hobby, nothing else, no career success will fill the gap. Godly love in the home is what will hold a family together during the storms of life. This priority of the mother is a call to immerse yourself in God's word, to surround yourself with God's people so that you can learn more about God's love and how you can love your spouse and children well. For this point, I'd like to encourage everyone to go back and reread 1 Corinthians 13, the great hymn of love. The Bible reminds us that love never fails. The second priority is this. Mothers must be self-controlled and pure. Self-controlled and pure. This is God's desire for all Christians, but it's especially important for the mother's role in the home. Now, I was talking to my wife about this message uh, this past week, and she was quick to remind me how important godly self-control is in her role. Um, It's not always easy for moms to have self-control in the environment of raising kids. You know, it's not always easy uh, to be slow to become angry, uh, to discipline in the right way 100% of the time, to manage the home well, uh, to keep negative emotions in check, and to care for the kids all at the same time. The mother's ministry to her family takes self-control. I want to remind you that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And you can read about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. These are character traits that are part of God's character. Mothers, if you seek God in all you do, especially in your ministry to your family, the Holy Spirit will grow the godly characteristic of self-control in you. Well, mothers are also called to be pure in their marriages and in their parenting. This means prioritizing the family above all other earthly relationships, above hobbies, and even your work outside the home. This is a reminder to remain devoted to your husband and to your kids. These relationships should take precedence over everything else outside of your relationship with Christ. Mothers must be self-controlled and pure. The third priority is this. Mothers must be diligent at home and kind. Diligent at home and kind. The society that we live in would like mothers to believe the lie that there's no real purpose and joy that can come from being occupied with things at home. The popular message is that moms should try to do it all. Be the perfect spouse. Keep an immaculate home. Cook a four-course meal every night. Have well-behaved kids all the time. 
and look gorgeous while doing it. Friends, the world's wisdom wants to create super moms, which is an unobtainable goal. But God wants to build abiding moms, mothers who abide in Christ, who live for Christ. Paul is reminding mothers that there's no greater contribution to society and to the family than working diligently to build a godly home. Being diligent in the home is a crucial ingredient to raising the next generation. Being diligent in the home doesn't mean that moms can only work in the home, but it does mean that the work in the home should be given top priority. We have several scriptural examples of mothers working outside the home. Um, I would point you to Proverbs 31, where it talks about the wife of noble character. That's one place that you can go and read about that. But whatever you do, remember to work as though you are working for the Lord. Mothers who stay diligent at building their homes are actually building the next generation for Christ. They're building our future. If you have chosen to work outside the home, please heed Paul's instruction and keep your work in the home priority. Another priority for the mother's ministry in the home is kindness. Now, you might be wondering why kindness is mentioned in this passage. At first glance, it doesn't really seem to fit. Well, any husband who's had to stay home alone with the kids for an extended period of time could give you the answer. You know, when mom is gone, the house is in chaos within minutes. Last year, my wife flew to Oklahoma for a few days to spend some time with her grandparents before her grandpa passed away. Um, I was given the frightening task of staying home alone uh, with our kids while she was gone. Now, you'd think someone had died because other families in our church uh, were offering to bring over meals for us to eat since Faith was gone. You know, I think you guys were genuinely worried about our survival. Well, I can tell you firsthand that there were plenty of times, plenty of times, when I had to be intentional about being kind towards my kids while my wife was gone. You know, if my boys were fighting, if they made a mess and they didn't clean it up, um, if they weren't listening to instruction, kindness was necessary. I can tell you firsthand, I walked away from that experience having a lot more respect and understanding for what my wife does on a daily basis in the home. So Paul is reminding mothers that being kind towards your family, especially when you're under pressure, is essential to building a godly home. Well, the fourth priority, this is the last one for today. Mothers are to submit to their husband's leading. Mothers are to submit to their husband's leading. Um, the NIV says be subject to, but a more accurate translation is the word submit. Now, as countercultural as this sounds, we cannot build our homes as God has intended if wives and mothers are not faithful to this principle. When there's failure in this area, it creates a ripple effect throughout every other aspect of the home and life. Now, this truth is part of God's arrangement, part of his design for the families. Now understand that husbands and wives are equally created in the image of God. Now we read about this in Galatians 3. But that equality does not mean they have the same role and responsibilities. Men and women have equal value in God's eyes. But we were created differently and different from each other. In our modern world, this truth is quickly tossed aside by the world's wisdom. The idea of submitting to another person is almost always misunderstood. Keep in mind, Paul lived during a time when husbands and fathers ruled over their families like dictators. So throughout his letters, um, he calls on Christian families to live differently. A wife's submission to her husband doesn't mean she's a doormat. In the marriage relationship, both the husband and the wife are called to submit. For the wife, 
This means willingly following her husband's leadership in Christ for the husband. It means putting aside his own interests in order to love and care for his wife in the same way Christ loves the church. Both the husband and the wife are called to submit to Christ first. I've found that the biblical principle of submission is almost always a problem in the home when one or both partners are not living for Christ. But in the home where both people love the Lord and are genuinely concerned about meeting the needs of the other person first, it's rarely an issue. Either way, if the wife is not able to submit to her husband's leadership, it's going to create an environment where there's a lack of joy, a lack of purpose, and a lack of vision for the family. Well, these are the four priorities for the ministry of mothers in the home that Paul wrote about. At the end of Titus chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, If mothers will do these things, the word of God will not be maligned. It won't be spoken of in a critical manner by other people. And the reason for this is simple. Friends, we're the only Bible many people will read. A lot of people have a Bible at home that's sadly collecting dust on a shelf. For those of us who read God's word and says into practice, we represent Christ to the people who are in our circle of influence. But if we claim to be Christians and live no differently than the rest of the world, we give non-Christians an opportunity to malign God's word because of how we're living. They can dismiss the Bible altogether because they know people who say they're Christians, but look and live exactly like the rest of the world. They look and live exactly like everybody else. Even when it's countercultural, I believe that people will wonder what the church is all about when Christian families decide to build their homes by God's design. We can be a powerful example and witness to the rest of the world when we choose to parent by the book. In fact, one of the greatest avenues for the gospel to reach and impact our communities is through fatherhood and motherhood. So I want to encourage the parents in our church to pray about the kind of legacy that you're leaving. Are you working at leaving the right kind of legacy? I want to encourage parents to reread Ephesians 6 verse 4 as it applies to fatherhood in the home. And reread Titus 2 as it applies to motherhood. Let's decide to parent by the book regardless of what the world says is right.